Welcome to the weekly Dharma Talk podcast from the Columbus Karma Teksam Choling Buddhist Meditation Center. This week's Dharma Talk is entitled Transforming Adversity into the Path by Marcus Casey. One of the most important ways to take our practice off the cushion is to learn to use everything that happens to help us wake up. In this talk, we look at ways to transform adversity into the path of awakening. Sources include The Great Path of Awakening by Jamgun Kantrul, The Practice of Lojong by Tralag Rinpoche, and Welcoming the Unwelcome by Pema Chodron. If you like our Dharma Talk series, please consider donating to Columbus Karma Teksam Choling at columbusktc.org. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, thank you for joining. My name is Marcus Casey. I am a volunteer meditation instructor here at Columbus KTC, and we're really happy you're with us today. Uh, We are uh, getting extremely excited for our building, and and soon we will be able to meet again in person, Um, but uh, we're not gonna leave uh, behind those who enjoy tuning in with us virtually and we're going to continue doing that. Um, and we thank you as you've uh, all become part of our, our virtual Sangha during this time. Um, it is our tradition to say together the four-line refuge prayer when we start our talks. The prayers in Tibetan. If you don't know it, just listen and make the aspiration to awaken. And also to help you uh, the second time through, we will say it together in English. Uh, When we are chanting this, we are repeating our commitment to taking refuge in the three jewels, the the Buddha or the goal, what we aspire to, the Dharma or the path, and the Sangha, our guides and companions on the path. So let's start by chanting it in Tibetan. Sangje chidang tsoki chognamla, jang chu bardu dagni kapsuchi, dagi jin soki pesunangi, drola pinchir sangje druparsho. Song and second time through, let's do it in English. Until I am enlightened, I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Through the merit I create by practicing generosity and the other perfections, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. And once again in Tibetan. Sangje chidang tsogi chognamla. Jang chu bardu dagni kapsuchi dagi jin sogi pesunangi drola pinchir sanje druparsho. Thank you very much. So most of us uh, watching this talk are householders. We're not, we're not monks. We're not uh, living in, in long-term retreat. Uh, most of us have full-time jobs. Uh, some have partners. Some have kids. 
some have pets. You may see or hear some of mine today, and I apologize in advance. Um, in short, we have many responsibilities. Uh, we're not in a position to devote all of our time to meditation practices. And so our circumstances may not allow us to do extended retreats. And sometimes it's easy to get discouraged because we feel like we don't have all the opportunities for practice that we may want. I have good news. Every moment is a moment we can practice. Every circumstance we encounter can be transformed into fuel for waking up. In fact, if our practice is something separate from our everyday life, um, if, if we don't work out our dharma in our everyday circumstances, then our progress will be slow at best. Some of us may be struggling with very difficult circumstances, but difficult circumstances can be some of the most powerful fuel for our practice. And so we are going to talk about that today. The texts I am following for these talks are various commentaries on the seven points uh, of mind training. Many of you know these from the 59 slogans that make up the seven points. Today we are going to focus on the slogans from point number three, transformation of bad circumstances into the path of enlightenment. The third point is all about how we take our practice with us into everyday life. Before we dive in, I'm going to read a daily aspiration by Kimpo Tsultram Jamso Rinpoche, a great teacher in our lineage who has visited and given, given teachings here at Columbus KTC. May all of our bad circumstances arise as friends on the path. May all bad circumstances actually bring us benefit. May we realize emptiness, the complete freedom from all elaborations. And as a result of fulfilling these aspirations, may we bring great benefit to all sentient beings. In preparing this talk, uh, I relied on a few texts uh, the Great Path of Awakening by Jamgong Kongtro, the Great. Um, also, a commentary called The Practice of Lojong by Charlie Kabgon Rinpoche. And another one, and I, I listened to the audiobook rather than uh, reading it, so I don't have a way to show you, but it's, it's a book by Pema Chodron, and it's called Welcoming the Unwelcome. So I mentioned that point three of the seven point mind training is called transformation of bad circumstances into the path of enlightenment. That's the heading, but there are several slogans underneath that heading. The first mind tra training slogan in point three says, when the world is filled with evil, transform all mishaps into the path of Bodhi. Another translation says, when misfortune fills the world and its inhabitants, make adversity the path of awakening. The next slogans will give us some tips on how to do this, but this slogan is one that is telling us that this is an appropriate practice for today. When our world, either individually or collectively, is filled with obstacles, 
with misfortune, with struggles, with poverty, and indeed with evil, we can turn that into practice. Hard times often present us with the best opportunities for transformation. In fact, we can train ourselves to begin to see the imperfections of our world as opportunities to wake up rather than as obstacles to our goals. Sometimes things just happen. There might not be anything we can do about it. Um, Pema Chodron says one of our biggest issues is that we tend to uh, go through life acting as though nothing, all circumstances were supposed to be good and fine and everything that goes wrong is an, is an affront to the way things were supposed to be. And uh, there's, there's a, an acceptance we need to learn to come to. Shanti Deva says, if there is a remedy when trouble strikes, what reason is there for dejection? And if there is no help for it, what use is there in being glum? We don't have to despair in the face of hardship. In fact, training our minds should result in strengthening our minds rather than giving in to despair. We can either continue to respond in the way we've always done and get progressively worse, or we can turn things around and use our misfortune to aid our spiritual growth. Charlie Rinpoche gives the example of illness. He says that when we fall ill, we should not allow despondency to get the better of us, even if recovery is slow. We should seek out good doctors and the best medication, but at the same time, we can train our minds to accept our situation with courage and fortitude and use it to train our minds to be more accommodating and understanding. No matter what situation we encounter, we can strengthen our minds by incorporating it into our spiritual journey. We grow most quickly if we are open to working with difficulties rather than constantly running away from them. If we harden ourselves to suffering, we only become more susceptible to it. Charlie Rinpoche says that contrary to our instincts, it is by learning to become more open to others and our world that we grow stronger and more resilient. You know, sometimes it's, it's very much our habit to reject a difficult, painful truth or thought or circumstance. But we can grow by sitting with it a little while, staying with it, not rejecting it, and just practice being with that difficulty. Charlie Rinpoche says that responding with fortitude and courage and understanding and openness will yield a stronger sense of self-worth and might even help to mend or ameliorate the situation. Rinpoche says if we are skilled and precise about generating love and compassion, it will make us a person of significance, he says, with integrity, dignity, depth, and weight, rather than just another person who worries about their own reputation or how to get ahead by pleasing others. Now, the next slogans give us methods for transforming adversity into the path of awakening, and these slogans fall into three categories, relative bodhicitta, absolute bodhicitta, 
And the third one is special practices. So relative bodhicitta, if you're not familiar with the terms relative and absolute bodhicitta, I'll try to give a quick overview. Uh, when we talk about absolute bodhicitta, we are looking at the way things actually are. This is the approach of wisdom in which we come to see that all experience is empty of limitation and boundary. But we always do this with a complete understanding that until we realize emptiness, all beings experience suffering. Are bad circumstances actually real? In an absolute sense, they are not, at least not in the way we think of something as being real. But in a relative sense, they are very real to unenlightened beings. So we treat the suffering this causes unenlightened beings as being very real. Therefore, we engender relative bodhicitta, the compassionate heart. The shortcut to remember is that relative bodhicitta refers to compassion, and absolute bodhicitta refers to wisdom. Compassion and wisdom are two wings of the same bird. Without the absolute, the relative can generate can degenerate uh, into pity and sentimentality. Whereas the absolute without the relative can lead to nihilism and a lack of desire to engage other sentient beings for their benefit. When we train our minds, we use the skillful means of both approaches. And there are both relative techniques uh, and absolute techniques to transform adversity into the path of enlightenment. So the first relative bodhicitta slogan regarding transforming adversity is drive all blames into one. The joke here, of course, is that it says drive all blames into one, and uh, we always feel sorry for one because he gets the blame for everything. Um, but this is to drive all blames into one. So when something negative happens in our lives, what is our first reaction? We assign blame. We might blame the pandemic or the president or our boss or the person who hurt us. And those exp explanations at some level may be a correct understanding of the causes and conditions that led to our circumstances, but our circumstances don't have to cause us suffering. Suffering, according to the Buddha's first teaching after his awakening, has a single cause, and that single cause is our ego clinging. So the slogan, drive all blames into one, is reminding us that we suffer because of our attachment. Our suffering ultimately has one cause, and that cause is our habitual clinging to our ego, to a mistaken understanding of self. Now, does this mean that we should blame ourselves for everything that happens in our, everything bad that happens in our lives? Not really, not our whole selves, maybe just our egos and more specifically our clinging to our egos, but we are more than just our egos. We are also in possession of unborn awareness or Buddha nature. And we don't annihilate ourselves when we turn away from our egoic habits of self-regard. 
Shanti Deva reminds us that our true enemies are our afflictions. They are the only enemies that we really have. The afflictions arise from ego clinging. Apart from ego clinging, there is no suffering. Driving all blames into ego clinging allows us to reframe our negative circumstances. We can pivot from the story we tell ourselves in which we are victims of circumstance or victims of other people um, to a new story in which suffering, while currently habitual, is actually a choice. Charlie Rinpoche says, we might think that the act of blaming others releases us from unfair responsibility, but it really only disempowers us. We'll have to spend our entire lives trying to stop other people from causing problems for us, something that can realistically never be done. And that reminds me of this verse uh, from Shanti Deva, where he says, to cover all the earth with sheets of leather, where could such amounts of skin be found? But with the leather soles of just my shoes, it is though it is as though I cover all the earth. And just like putting on shoes protects our feet from whatever uh, we we might walk on, um, we can learn to overcome that egoic clinging that causes suffering to whatever circumstances are come our way. Pointing the blame toward our ego clinging empowers us. We can choose to let go of our ego clinging in our negative situation and release that suffering. This begins to reverse the habit of ego clinging, which is a step toward awakening. Voila, our suffering is transformed into the path of awakening. Do you see how that works? We can flip the script. We can choose to either tell ourselves a story in which the blame falls on others and we are a victim, or we can instead choose to recognize in our suffering the root of our suffering and to take measures to reverse our negative habitual tendencies. We can train our minds to look deeper into the dynamics going on in our minds and create habits based on this insight. Shanti Deva really takes his ego fixation to task. He says, countless ages, oh my mind, you spent desiring to attain your aims. And what great weariness it was, while your reward was only misery. As we learn to transform our response to adversity away from assigning blame externally, and instead toward recognizing that the root of our suffering is our own ego clinging, we can begin to function with less anger towards others. Not only do we begin to understand that we are responsible for our own responses to circumstances, but we see that the reasons others behave the way they do is because of their ego fixation. I have ego fixation, and that politician I don't like has ego fixation. We have that in common. My ego fixation makes me miserable, and his makes him miserable. This is the relative bodhicitta section. 
right? So, so we can actually begin to have compassion for the suffering that is driving that politician to behave like he does. But as long as we continue to only see ourselves as his victim rather than as victims of our own selfishness, it is difficult to arouse that kind of compassion. Now, here I think it is important to mention that this in no way excuses the evil actions that others do. The, the abuse that someone might do uh, to us or or the you know violence and and the actions that create misery um, are very much a a difficult thing. But what we have in our control, what we are empowered to do, is to step back and let go of our ego fixation in that suffering, in that circumstance and form new habits. The second slogan in the relative bodhicitta section is to be grateful to everyone. Another translation says, meditate on the great kindness of everyone. Charlie Rinpoche says, from the time we are born until we tuned into this teaching, we have been helped by other people doing things for us. If others would not have helped us, especially when we were babies, we would never have survived. We continue to survive because other people are still helping to maintain our world. Whether we think our upbringing was good or bad, um, somebody provided us with some kind of education and made sure we didn't go hungry. Practically all of the pleasure, joy, and happiness that we experience come to us because of the presence of activities of others. And it isn't just those near and dear to us who give us the quality of our lives. Teams of people created the software that allow us to meet remotely. And they relied on teams of people before them who created and perfected the programming languages and the servers that the software runs on. And they relied on countless people who created and perfected all the technology to bring us the internet and the powerful computers we have. And all those people helped us hear this teaching today. And that doesn't even count how all of them and all of us got our cars and our housing, how our food is produced every day, and the medicine that keeps us healthy. If we get discouraged and begin to think that everything is working against us, it is time to pause and reflect. We can be grateful to others for everything we have. But it doesn't just have to end with people who have brought us the good things in life. Uh, the Kadampa masters say that every time we overcome an obstacle or adversity, we become that much more intelligent and resilient. Trungpa Rinpoche said that the way to arouse bodhicitta is to begin with a broken heart. An easy existence rarely leads to empathy. It is in our pain that we begin to learn to be open to the pain of others. If we are working to make bodhicitta our primary motivation in all that we do, 
and our suffering connects us to the suffering of others to increase that motivation, seeing it through that light, shouldn't we be grateful for the painful experiences which have opened our hearts? If we see that as it is our response to difficulties that determines what kind of impact they have on our lives, we'll naturally begin to move toward a more meaningful engagement with our lives as they are. We can be grateful for all the good things that others have done for us, and we can learn to react to, to, um, to diversity that with gratitude, with, to adversity with gratitude that through it, we have the opportunity to open our hearts to the suffering of others. Lama Kathy teaches a small script, and she actually teaches it um, for a, a different one of these mind training slogans, um, but I'm going to repurpose it here. Um, and it's a, it's a script we can use when we encounter uh, difficulties, uh, difficult emotions, or, you know, many different kinds of, of things we can use this for. And um, it fits what we're talking about here. So, so it goes something like this. May my, insert your difficult emotion or, or your adverse circumstance, um, contain the difficult emotion of all sentient beings. By my working through this moment of difficult emotion, may I and all beings be free of it. And may we all become Buddhas, the complete freedom from, insert, difficult emotion. So that's a little clunky saying it that way. So let me plug something in. I'll use depression, right? So we can say, may my depression contain the depression of all sentient beings. By my working through this moment of depression, may I and all beings be free of it. And may we all become Buddhas, the complete freedom from depression. So practice this with whatever afflictive state arises, illness, injury, negative attitude, or thought. You can memorize this script or put it on your phone, carry it as a card in your pocket, um, something so that it, you always have it available. And the more we use it, the more we will transform our thinking. And then the more we have opportunity to use it, the more we can learn to practice gratitude for the difficulties in our lives that open our hearts to others. We can transform adversity into compassion for others. And if we reflect, we can actually be grateful for the opportunity to open our hearts. And that brings us on to the absolute bodhicitta practice, the wisdom practice for transforming adversity. And we do that by recognizing that our difficulty is itself empty of inherent existence. So the slogan that goes along with the absolute bodhicitta practice is, the ultimate protection is emptiness. Know what arises as confusion to be the four aspects of being. Now, this can get a little bit te technical and we're gonna get in the weeds just a little bit, um, but, but we'll try to 
communicate at the end here how this how this translates into helping uh, transform adversity. So the four aspects of being are the four kayas. Um, for those who are familiar with the four kayas, um, that's what this slogan is referring to. So the first three kayas or bodies of a Buddha or the first three aspects of the nature of the mind or even the truth of everything. The first three are Dharmakaya, which is um, inherent truth. Sambhokakaya, which is uh, light or, or the, the, the nature or the energy or light of, of everything that we perceive. And nirmanakaya, which is the actual everything we perceive. So, so basically, if you start with this material world, the world we uh, experience with our senses, that is the nirmanakaya. And then the the nature of our minds and and phenomena, that is sambhokakaya. And then the inherent truth is dharmakaya. And then the the uh, um, fourth one is, uh, and I have trouble pronouncing this one, svabhavakaya, svabhavakaya, and uh, and that basically is what um, uh, ties all three together. It is the the other three together. It's the unifying concept that signifies that we should not think of the physical, mental, and transcendental aspects of Buddha's being as three separate entities, but as an inseparable whole. And so what this is telling us is that everything we perceive has the nature of emptiness. Everything we perceive does not just have that, um, that nirmanakaya, um, aspect, but it is all emptiness. So for this, I'm going to read Jamgon Kongchul directly. He says, in general, all appearances and particularly adverse conditions are like the distress experienced when you dream of being burnt in a fire or swept away by a flood. The confused appearances of mind are invested with a reality that they do not have. It is rigorously established that although these appearances arise, there is not even a particle of true existence in them. When you rest in a state in which appearances simply arise, but there is no clinging to them, the dharmakaya aspect is that they are empty in nature. The nirmanakaya aspect is that they appear with clarity. And the Sambhokakaya aspect is that this emptiness and clarity occur together. And the Svabhavakaya aspect is that they are inseparable. This key instruction to rest evenly without grasping at origin, location, or secession points out the four kayas. It is the armor of view, the protection circle of emptiness, and the supreme instruction that cuts off confusion. If we have the perspective 
of absolute bodhicitta. Charlie Rinpoche says, we will realize that the reality of confusion is not perplexity, for confusion itself is only an appearance. The reality of our confusion is emptiness. If we have this perspective, it's easier than not to get so churned up by our negative emotions and latch onto them when they arise, but because we will understand that these negative emotions are also of the nature of emptiness. And that's why emptiness is the best protection. Now, in addition to the relative and the absolute bodhicitta practices and approaches to transforming adversity into the path, there are the special practices. The first slogan in the special practices section says, four practices are the best of methods. And the four practices are accumulating merit, confessing evil actions, ritual offerings to evil spirits, and ritual offerings to Dharma protectors. So uh, accumulating merit. Difficult circumstances remind us of the consequences of our past actions. If we view this correctly, we understand how our past actions have led to the habits that cause our suffering now. The correct response to that is to make it a point to engage in virtuous activity now. There are many, many virtuous activities, but especially consider all of our practices and prayers, our listening, contemplating, and meditating, such as um, we're doing when we listen uh, to talks, um, as well as the work that we do for KTC, which by extension is work done directly for our teachers. And we increase the power of that virtue if we do not try to keep the positive effects of that virtue for ourselves, but dedicate it to all beings. Uh, the second special practice is confessing evil actions. Sorry to disappoint, Buddhism does have confession. And confession in Buddhism has four parts. The four R's. Regret. We regret our negative and harmful actions because we must make sure, um, because that's a step toward um, not allowing that to take root as a habit. And we must make sure this is genuine regret if we harbor a subtle fondness for what we've done or take pleasure in it or take pleasure difficulty it caused someone else, then our confession is going to ring hollow. So we must generate a genuine regret. The second is resolve. We resolve not to repeat the negative actions. The third is reliance we rely on the sources of refuge, the three jewels, and we arouse bodhicitta. And the fourth are remedies. And there are certain practices we do as, as remedies, such as purification practices, certain prayers, things like that. But other general practices can also, and mantras and things can also serve as remedies for our negative actions. Now, the third, the third one, um, is ritual offerings to evil spirits. Now, according to 
Tibetan Buddhism, there are two different kinds of harmful beings or forces, those that cause disruption in our lives and those to whom we owe some kind of debt. Charlie Grimperche says, while it isn't essential to believe in rebirth, evil spirits or ghosts to practice mind training, we can't really discount the possibility that they do exist. And he says that practicing ritual offerings to these beings as if you really do believe in them can still bring some psychological relief. We can see evil spirits as our psychological states on one level and external beings on another level. At the same time, um, or the fourth special practice is ritual offerings to our Dharma protectors. And Dharma protectors uh, in Buddhism are benign or enlightened beings. Um, they're sometimes thought of as the Buddhist equivalent to angels, um, which protect us from adverse circumstances and situations. And just as evil spirits can be seen as both psychological states as well as external beings, Dharma protectors can be regarded as a reflection of our wisdom consciousness as well as external beings. So when things become very difficult, there is wisdom in making ritual offerings to the protectors seeking their assistance. Now, the second special practice slogan is whatever you meet unexpectedly join with meditation. It is a reminder, whatever you meet unexpectedly join with meditation. Um, we need to learn to respond to things in an habitual way. I'm sorry, not to respond to things in an habitual way, but instead with understanding, openness, and courage by maintaining a sense of awareness. We shouldn't think of meditation as something we only do if we're sitting on a cushion, but we should treat everyday situations as meditations by focusing our minds on whatever arises. Pema Chodron says that if our aim is to wake up for the benefit of all beings, then it is necessary for us to change. And these challenging times give us the greatest opportunity for change. Every time we catch ourselves going down the rut of habitual reaction, she says, we have a chance to interrupt the momentum and discover a whole new direction and depth to our life. Trungpa Rinpoche says that any experience we have can, made, can be made into a further blockage or can become a way of freeing ourselves. In other words, we're either solidifying these habits or we're working to loosen them. He gives the example of looking down and seeing a fly on your leg. And he says, if you have a tendency to feel aggressive toward flies, you can go with that habit and slap at the fly to try to kill it. And that becomes a means of further blockage to awakening your heart. But on the other hand, even if it goes against your tendency 
you could try to have a friendly response to the fly. And this is where uh, we talk about joining all of these uh, experiences with meditation because that takes a moment of mindfulness. It takes a focus not to react immediately out of that habit, but instead to try to reverse that habit by acting differently. So we can kindly let the fly uh, be or gently urge it on its way. And this transforms the fly's visit from an annoying event into an opportunity for sowing seeds of kindness and tolerance and appreciating the sacredness of life. Um, it, it turns into a small way of becoming more open-hearted and, and, and having that compassionate heart. In other words, it turns into a way of freeing yourself. Something as small, something as as natural and um, and easy to overlook as seeing that fly on your leg and reacting in a different way. Although, um, Pema Chardrin points out um, that wasn't necessarily a small thing for the fly, um, even if it's a small thing for us. And so um, there are so many ways if we are constantly uh, staying aware of our reactions, staying um, mindful of what comes to us in everyday life, then we can join all of that with meditation. And it's, it's just like in shamatha, every time you catch your mind wandering, Every time you catch yourself uh, following thoughts and, and getting lost in, in all the stories, um, you just pause, drop it, and return your attention back to the breath. This is something very, very similar to that. And it's those muscles we build in our meditation practice that allow us to do this so that as we have experiences, as we experience that moment of annoyance when a fly lands on our arm, something small, or something huge when, when a major life event uh, happens. Um, we, we can learn to develop the habits to notice that emotion and to then um, turn it into a practice. And we've been given all kinds of ways to practice by, by recognizing the emptiness of what arises, by, by being grateful, by using all of these, um, these bad things to happen as, as moments to practice gratitude and to open our hearts and to become more compassion, compassionate. So... These teachings um, today provide tools that help us integrate all aspects of our lives and circumstances into our practice. We can use this adversity as fuel for waking up. In fact, that's how we bring meaning to our adversity and to our lives. 
If we have the right spirit, we can always find a way to derive benefit from our experiences, no matter how difficult the situation, and transform everything into a source of merit and the path of awakening. So we have time for questions or comments. If you put them in the uh, meeting chat, then, then I'm I'm happy to address them to the best of my ability. I'll wait a, wait a minute here uh, for some to uh, type some in if, if you so choose. And while we wait, again, uh, thank you very much for, for attending today. And, and uh, I hope um, this has been helpful. Um, I, I know that, um, this has been a very difficult year and a half collectively, uh, for many, many people and, uh, has been a tough time individually, um, as well. Um, we, we all have, have dealt with things in our own way and that's just the, the things that are happening globally. Um, there are so many things that we may not even know about that are happening um, in, in your lives or things that are hidden. Um, as I was adjusting, excuse me, as I was just adjusting my camera and, and my, on my, I mean, my computer to uh, show certain things, I was looking to see if the mess on the floor was showing. And, uh, you know, we all, we all have those things that we keep just out of frame. Um, and, and we, we uh, in our own minds and in our own lives, so that so that we go around presenting a certain view um, to to others, and we we have heart hurts and we have difficulties that that um, may not be be known to most people, and um, and I I I my prayers are with you if that's something you're going with through today. But I also hope um, that you you uh, can create some resolve and uh, and practice some of these skills to transform that into a way to um, soften your heart and awaken your compassion and your wisdom, rather than um, uh, following the tendency to harden our hearts and and reject and retreat from, from pain. So I don't see um, any questions. So let's take a moment then to uh, dedicate the merit of listening to this talk. Um, there is great merit in listening to the words of our teachers and past masters as they instruct us in how to train our minds in bodhicitta. We dedicate this merit that all beings may be free from suffering and its causes and awaken to Buddhahood. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for this week's Dharma Talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. To learn more about the Columbus Karma Teksum Choling or to donate to support our Dharma Talk series, please visit our website at columbusktc.org. 
The opening and closing music for the podcast is Tibetan Flute Song by Tamding Arts at tamdingarts.com. Please join us again next week for another Dharma Talk.